Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. Now where it is now, everybody wants a piece of the market. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny! I don't remember asking you a thing. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you? With all due respect, what the f*** are you talking about? Oh, I'm sorry, did I break your concentration? What the f*** is so funny about me? Tell me. Tell me what's wrong. You represent the idiocy of today. I did not know that. English mother do you speak it? Are you listening to me? That's my together, is my together. Nice personality combination, hostile and intolerant. So that's, that's it then. No one else really knows anything. Well, welcome back to Jackson Jacks. I'm Tomorrow Andrew on the board, SP Futures. Up a buck seventy-five. Nasdaq futures t- now down ten. Uh, no, uh, no indication of what's going to be after the uh, CPI number comes out at seven thirty. The, the very quiet CPI number that for pushing forty years nobody gave a crap about, and all of a sudden it's 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 number ba- it's number one back in again. So you know, Lou, maybe you and I will come back in popularity. What do you think? <laughs> I. Uh I assume that number is getting popular again as it shows the administration's economic policies and the less damaging light. Um, you were forgetting about the last administration and the administration before that. The administration before that were all this percolated along just just fine. I mean, this is not a uh, a two year phenomenon. Uh, whatever, whoever. I assume that that it's getting it's getting you know prominence because it's a. It's a way of manipulating uh, bad data. Well, it always has been a very delayed data thing, and it always seems to be very political. And I, as you know, I have a uh, extreme curiosity, which is where in the chain the politics takes over. And as as many as the brilliant dudes and dudettes we have on this show, nobody can give me an answer because I don't think anybody knows. To be honest with you. I mean, it, not, it depends. I mean, we've had this discussion fairly recently, where I, we were talking about how in the, the labor numbers, for example, would get would get contorted either by a phone call up the food chain from you know some analyst or an analyst supervisor saying this number is going to look bad. Here's how we spin it, or a call coming down the food chain. From somebody at the White House or some some politico who who says, "Hey, the number that you're going to put out on this is terrible. Tell me how to fix it or tell me how to spin it." It's the same kind of it's the same kind of, of thing that's going on right now with the president's uh, you know papers that that are suddenly being found in Chinese think tanks and uh, and other places. And and I mean at some point. Somebody in the FBI called up his supervisor at DOJ, the, the, politi- the political supervisor at DOJ, and said, "This just got found. You know, what do we do?" And and the decision was made. Well, the first thing we do is we can't release the information two days before the midterms because that'll make us look bad, especially after we accused you know Donald Trump of all kinds of nefarious stuff and being. Just the fact that, that he had those papers or, or those papers were outside the, the secure channels means he's incompetent and untrustworthy. 
we can't have that coming to blow back on, on Uncle Joe two days before the midterm, so we'll suppress that information for a while. And and now, you know, we're getting it's fascinating. We're getting this stuff in in you know, pieces that well, what are the documents you found? Well nobody's really describing them. Where exactly were they found? Well the first time they were found we finally find out they were found in a closet. Now, we, this second find, we don't even know where they were. And, and, of course, the lack of clarity that's coming out as they attempt to spin this just makes those of us who watch this stuff closely think it's, it's much worse than, than probably whatever happened with Trump. And, and you know, I, I mean... I, I doubt very seriously, Lou, and I, I, don't, I really don't want to get into the politics piece of it, because you obviously, a lot of people have this idea that one side's always, the, the fact, I mean, if Trump, st- Trump stuff was found, like, on the table next to menus, for God's sake. It was totally unsecured even in the place. No, it's not correct. But for one thing, for one First of all, nobody not, knows. I'm not, I mean, my point here is not, is not to try to excuse the fact that Trump was playing games and dodging subpoenas and all that other stuff. That, you know, he's an idiot, and, and that... That was a that was a stupid fight for for no discernible reason. This, I, I mean, this is something else. I actually think this is worse. Well, I don't. I don't I've had uh, people. Well, on my the show. point. My point is: look at how the information is being tangled. Look at the lack of clarity. Look at the look at the vagueness on these rooms. Well, these are supposed to be official reports by people working for us. The taxpayer. I, I, well, I'm why with you on we, that. But why I, are we not? But there's every, every everything you look at though has. I mean, I don't. I don't know. It's it's not exactly my field. It's more you and Brendan to a certain extent, John. Even though he was more of a, 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 a real estate guy, but you guys can can opine way better than I can on on this sort of stuff because I I, I had Wayne Madsen on a whole bunch of times. I love Wayne. We'll have him back soon, but he. He's kind of a conspiracy theorist, and he's he's you know he's on the liberal side, but he was NSA. I, I don't I I am totally lost, Lou, in this whole idea of you know top secret this kind of documents that kind of document. I we're talking about stuff that's supposed to go to the archives and like never be seen or heard from again. I, mean, I don't really understand the whole picture. So we'll I'm not. But I mean, Wayne says this, this stuff. Chief, this stuff was not generally an issue. This kind of I'm going to take papers out or whatever, hang on to papers, was typically not an issue until the raid Mar-a-Lago. I would bet that every president since Jimmy Carter, which is when that statute, this Presidential Records Act, went into effect, every president after Carter has taken classified stuff, either either inadvertently or, or directly, intentionally, and, and so... The point here is, for me, is not so much that that Biden did this stuff. I mean, it's bad. It, there are certain elements of it that make, in my opinion, much worse than Trump's intentional removal of those those items. But my point is that this the, the, the politicization of everything here, and this goes back to your original question, the politicization of everything here now turns stuff like this. Which could be relatively minor, and turns it, you know, turns the flame up on it, you know, a thousand without, times. Without a doubt, without a doubt, if, if Biden did not, 
Biden did not run his mouth about how stupid Donald Trump was in letting this happen. This stuff, you know, th- this issue would not have been a big deal. If the FBI had raided Mar-a-Lago, you know, which I think was inexcusable, this now, in a Democratic administration, would not would not be a big deal. I, I think I, I'm with happen. you. We, we have decided, for whatever reason, and I'm not, you know, I... I don't agree with this. You know, I don't. You, I don't think you do either. Somehow or another, we love this crap as a country. We love it. The, well, the, the people I'm on the left, the people on the left, couldn't wait to keep. I mean, if the fact that Trump's an idiot, we get that part. But the, but the, but the, the fact that he was that clumsy enough to bring stuff down there, nobody has a clue, including me, by the way, of what exactly. What the different levels of top secret stuff even is? I mean, Wayne, 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 Wayne Madsen was I'd say when he was at the NSA, the lunch menu was top secret for God's sake. I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing, I'm dealing cases involving certain federal agencies where they you know, they, they classify all kinds of weird stuff. Stuff gets redacted. I mean, I have to turn my notes in after I interview a, a witness, and they. And put little squares on the copy of notes to redact stuff that is meaningless. It, it, but but so the, the classification system is the government classifies everything because this again this is a way of protecting and spinning the um, you know the, the access to information because the government never wants you to get or, or certain people in the government never want you to get. You know information directly, and and this this goes back to your question about you know who's making the who's making the call where the politics get involved. Well, I mean, I'm trying to I'm trying to here. I mean, if I get uh, there, there's somewhat of a there's a difference, um, Lou, in, in, in all this different. I mean, clearly the area you're bringing up is is totally different, and it's an area that I I, I wish I knew more about so I could opine on it more intelligently, but. On the labor numbers, they they give you everything, okay. Then they put the spin on the adjustment. Now, who's doing the adjustment? Whether it's the same as the year before, I think there the adjustment is always the same as the year before, when maybe it shouldn't be, or maybe it should change. You know, I don't know how many people are hiring people for Christmas Day, but the, my point here is, is that Carl, because he digs into this stuff like a terrier, he can always find the raw numbers. They're there. It's just a question of you spending the time or having a guy on, like Carl on your show to tell people, he can tell you, no, nah, Chief, you can't look at that that table. That's the adjusted table. Here's the real table. But it's there for the taking. If, if you, well, if you but, wanna, but, but it really isn't. I, I it, think it is. It, it, it's just, the system is designed to obfuscate all of that information. It's designed to make it hard. But I'm saying they're all sort of different. Well, the, 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 the agricultural numbers. We had a person on from there. Those, for some reason, people must not think are, are, are sacred enough. They're clean. Those people guard those like there's no tomorrow. I mean, the guy was telling a story about the guy who was delivering something uh, for, the, for the vending machines. They made him sit in the place for two hours getting tickets on his truck because they wouldn't let him out till after numbers, really. I mean, there, there's different levels all along the line here. What I guess what I'm trying to determine, only my own curiosity, and I hope some of the listeners are too, so I'm not just talking into the wind here, is I don't know where I would bet you because if you dig into, I don't want to do this, uh, but when, when Trump was doing his tariffs, and I'm, and I'm talking about the CPI, if you want to, <clears throat> if you have no life, you can dig into this crap, and you can go down to, 
I don't think the person who's running around picking up the price of rice and noodles in the, in the grocery aisle is screwing it up. I think he gives, gives you a very fair case of what the price of, of stuff in the, in the grocery aisle is. I think that someplace, somewhere, there's a guy who has hospital costs that does a really good job, because I think most people go to work and actually do a pretty good job. But someplace, somewhere, and I can't figure out how or, or where, somebody says, wait a minute, hospitalization is not going to be 21% of the economy, which it is. It's going to be 6%. Okay, then. Uh, <laughs> okay, then. Or, or, or something... Uh, you know, like housing last year. We know housing was up 40% in two years. But we're going to say it's, you know, or, or rent is up 40%, but we're going to say rent is only 6% of somebody's basket. I don't think that the person, the low life, low low life, low low person in the totem pole, who's, who's digging up the rent numbers is cheating a little. I just think some, and I don't know if that's, if you got your hand up to the wind like the guy in uh, Casablanca, you know, I'm shocked there's gambling, you're winning, sir. I don't know if it's just people with their their fingers up into the political wind, or whether it's an actual phone call, or whether somebody sees the numbers and has the balls to call somebody up and say, change them. I, I don't know who that person would be. I mean, I, I, I'm just, like I said, I'm curious. I don't know the answer. I'll never find out, but I'm curious. Well, some of it, obviously, is, is driven by uh, activist agenda. And I, when I say activist, I mean... It could be either kind of activist. It could be a conservative or, or a, a liberal. It's more obvious, I think, with progressive activists in, in because, because of the penetration of our federal executive branch by these kind of people. But but let's look let's look at this natural gas cooking issue. That that's a, that's unbelievable. It's not totally believable, but this is exactly the kind of thing you're talking about in terms of cooking numbers, because because what how did that how did that get generated? It got there was a study that was that was put out by funded by the Sierra Club and a bunch of other people who are anti fossil fuel, talking about how natural gas cooking generates all these asthma claims, and it's bad for you. And that study and that that information hit all of the major media outlets all at the same time. Plus, it hit talk shows all at the same time. It was coordinated with the Consumer Product Safety Commission issuing a, issuing a statement saying, you know, this stuff is bad for you. And, and we're going to look at, at banning fossil or uh, uh, natural gas stoves because, you know, that's all on the table and it's a health issue and it's within our purview. All of that hit within 24 hours. It was taken off the table yesterday because because the first thing that happened, when you know, every, and everybody just accepted that study at face value. All of those numbers were were put down in front of people uncritical. Everybody jumped on that study. The study, even though the, the, the study itself was sloppy, it was funded by people with a vested interest in it. And and interestingly enough, there is another much larger study out there with much more scientific rigor that that, that encompasses a, a huge sample size 
that says there's absolutely no difference between asthma rates in places that use, you know, gas stoves versus electric stoves. And oh, by the way, if you look at, you know, overall deaths, people people die from electric stoves or fires caused by electric stoves much more frequently than they do from gas. Now, that may be a result of lots more electric stoves or whatever. You can't, but, you can't tell when they're in. Well, that's right. That's exactly right. And so, and so this all, all of this hits, though, at the same time. This kind of stuff is coordinated. It, 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 is, it shows the linkage between the activist groups, the federal executive agencies that are sympathetic to them, because who at the CDC does not want more power to regulate in addition to, you know, the flushing of your toilet and the water flow from your shower head, who doesn't want more power to regulate? All right, Luso, I'm going to push back just a hair here, because that's what I love to do with you, because you're, you're, you're feisty. Um, I'm going to say one of your heroes, and maybe one of mine, was Dwight D. Eisenhower. Just saying. But when, and done, in Dwight D. Eisenhower's presidency, General Motors, and, and Ike was supposed to be untouchable, in his presidency, General Motors funded a study with the conclusion that they already drew that streetcars were a really bad thing compared to buses. Sure. Now, they didn't make streetcars. They made buses. They made buses. That's and right. everybody decided, everybody took at this thing, and they took it at face value. Now, I'm going to say in Chicago, uh, streetcars did not have segregated right away. Um, and so the system, streetcar versus buses, eh, even though I like the streetcars better, I'm going to say, you know, if there's a fire, a streetcar can't go around the block, the bus can't. Uh, L.A. had by far the best streetcar system anywhere in this country, and I think it was all segregated right away. Right away, it was after a study came out, it was torn up in like two years. All the streetcars were stacked up. You can still see pictures of it on the internet. Probably the dumbest thing, one of the dumbest things we've ever done in this country. Right, oh, so no. I'll give, you, I'll give you number one. Well, but I mean, okay, so... Well, I mean, and, and now I'm going to say with the, in the COVID situation, as they're telling people uh, to... Uh, that you can't go within six feet of people on the lakeshore, for God's sake, with a stiff breeze. Somebody came out with a study funded by, I believe, Harvard, must have been by the airlines. They came out that said because of the ventilation in a modern aircraft, which, by the way, is nowhere near as good as it was in an old aircraft, uh, the ventilation, of, you can sit next to somebody with a mask on, that it's better than being on, like, the lakefront. Lou, how stupid do you have to be to even think that that's accurate? And yet, well, all of this, all of this revolved around the idea, of course, that that wearing masks were effective, which we we know was was. They wanted crap. you six feet away in the lakefront if you're wearing a mask. Yeah, yeah. our attractive well, young lady. Well, I, mean, uh, I mean, let's let's just let's go back. Let's go back even further. I mean, recommendations may have may have been responsible for a couple of hundred thousand unnecessary deaths. The food pyramid killed millions with with heart disease and obesity, and it was based on a you know studies funded by you know ADM and and other major you know bread carbohydrate producers who who said look you can use as much grain as you want you can use as much you know carbs as you want and it's not going to hurt you. And in fact, it was it was 
badly distorted. Um, but but again, a study funded completely by by the. Uh, you got to move to a different spot in the room, Lou. Okay, by the food companies, and and this. When you ask where the politics comes in, depending on what the study is, or depending on what the, the stakes are, the, the politics comes in from the very beginning of the data being generated. Well, sure it does. <laughs> and so, Some, somebody comes to a, a, a lobbyist comes to somebody, I'm guessing this is how it happens, but a lobbyist comes to somebody and says, I want to ban gas stoves. <laughs> okay, it's, that's interesting. you gotta, you got to give me something. Showing the gas gas stoves are bad, so they do. They manufacture. They manufacture the study. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. But you know what? I, I guess what I'm trying to what I'm trying to say here, because I want to get a Ukraine report from you in the second half hour. Right? What I'm trying to say, Lou, is how much of this is just is just part of people. I mean, one of the things I, I the people I don't I'm never going to say anything bad. Well, there's a few knuckleheads, but uh, anything bad about the people I served on the board with at the CBOE. And yet, there were, there were member firms, very powerful member firms, that sat on the board. And I think if you were to ask the lady who was in charge of regulation, if you were to ask Duke Chapman, or certainly Chuck Henry, who was the most honest man I ever met, uh, if you were to ask any of those people, by the way, do you, do you uh, not enforce regulatory stuff against big firms, especially if the guy's on the board? They would have been a gas Lou. They would have wanted me off the board for even saying something like that. And yet, you could just smell it in the air. It was like it was like it was like somebody let one go in church. You could smell it in the air that there's no way on earth that one of the uh, like a low end regulator was going to come up with a a big no no against Smith Barney or somebody if the guy sat on the board. Let's, even let's, if, take, let's take that one step further. Let's go to the jock the jock part of our show. University of North Carolina and Duke. Both benefits college blue blood basketball blue bloods. Both benefited directly from what you just described. North Carolina should have forfeited something like three championships because they were using players who were academically ineligible under the NC two A rules. The NC two A turned a blind eye to it. <clears throat> Duke had a Duke had a kid who apparently, and I don't, we, I mean, it just didn't look like it. Who looked like had been taking money from an agent. Prior during his uh, during his last year at Duke, and played in the national championship game at Duke in whatever it was twenty sixteen or whatever. But, but the NC two A declined to investigate or or take action in both of those situations. Now the Duke situation was a little different. It was self reported, and and the, nobody that was involved in it wanted to wanted to participate. The NC two A said, "Okay, we're not going to we're not going to chase this." The North Carolina case. They had a whole state investigation. People went to jail over that over that academic fraud, and yet the NCAA said we're not touching it because they were they were both blue blood programs. Well, the Irish had to uh, uh, forfeit the games for a whole season because some guy who didn't even play very much was getting papers done by his girlfriend, who happened to be an unpaid manager of the team. I got to believe North Carolina did a lot worse than that. Oh, it was much worse. It was much worse. They actually actually had connivance of the faculty. They designed an academic major and put an entire academic course system together. This ran for 18 years, Chief. Yeah, you know who was uh, one of the big beneficiaries of that? The guy who played for the Bears, the guy who played yeah, for the Packers. Uh, uh, Julius, uh, Julius uh, Peppers. Peppers. 
And Julius yep. Peppers is probably one of the top ten of all time in the NFL. Not contracts, but people actually receive paychecks because he actually went through most of his contracts. A lot of people get a multi-billion dollar, not billion, but a, a huge contract to play one year and never get the rest. Julius Peppers actually played for like 20 years, didn't he, or 18? He, he, yeah, no, he, he, went through, he went through at least three contracts, maybe four. Yeah. All right, we yeah, gotta, yeah, we, I mean, he was a great football player. I, I'm not debating that. But he I was think, the first guy yeah. to go to the summer school where there were four people in class and they never did anything, right? So they, they started the summer school crap where kids come right out yeah, of high no, school. It wasn't summer school. It was, I mean, there, there, there may have been summer classes, but no, the program, they put, a, they put an African-American studies program at UNC that was specifically designed for jocks. But it, it, coin, academic it, work. it coincided, Lou, I believe, and again, you probably know more than it coincided, I believe, with the the turn towards your 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 freshman football player, basketball player doesn't show up with everybody else on Labor Day or whenever you start. You go right away in June. You you get a couple of these soft pedal classes right away during the summer. So you're already working out with the team or somebody. You never you never get a summer off. It it sort of coincided with that where you can actually do twelve to fifteen courses over your over your maybe more than that over your over your uh, four year career if you stay four years and that are never even in class with everybody else and you get A's in those classes even if you kind of putz the other ones you're still okay so I mean it kind of coincided I'm not saying they invented it but there was some correlation there just saying in in, in any in any event to go back to your point the blue blood these blue blood programs were not touched well, how do you get, how do you get to be a blue blood how is Notre Dame football not blue blood? They've been they've been they've been making people money <laughs> and all the uh, the, the uh, TV stations for for a hundred years for God's sake. Well, football is different from basketball because the NC two A doesn't get doesn't get the football revenue. The basketball revenue is absolutely essential to the NC two A's revenue streak. And so and so they can they can mess they can mess with some of these programs. And, and and Notre Dame at the time this happened. This was a while back, wasn't it? Like yeah, ten twenty years. Ago. Uh, ten maybe. So so at the time, and the NC two A could still could still do this if they tried to do this to Alabama or Georgia or you know Texas or somebody like that. That right now they just they just facilitate and hasten their own demise in, in the college football arena. But basketball is their baby. They own the tournament. They own all of this. It generates something like seventy-five or eighty percent of their operating uh, revenue, and so they were not. You know, how do you get to be a blue blood? You win and you draw fans, and and both of those teams drew fans. I think Duke drew more fans because people wanted to hate them, but but um, those two teams drew a huge fan base. Well, you still got the Kansases and the Kentuckys, and well, that's oh, yeah, just a few years up four fifty. As if he's up 475, we're waiting for the numbers a half hour from now. Come back, Lou, we're going to get a little bit of a Ukraine update because it's, it's, it's off all the TV and radio now. Nobody cares about Ukraine anymore. We're tired of it. Uh, it appears. Big, shake, big shake up in the Russian command. We can talk about that. Really? We'll be right back, Stocks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. 
Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. Right here, right there, right now. Hello, Mark Bank, Stice and Jax. I'm Tom Allen. Andrew on the board. Lou Michaels with us on the phone. S&P Futures up 450. Nasdaq is up 450. We're muted, muted before the, uh, the big CPI number, which didn't used to be a big number. Well, it was a big number, then it wasn't a big number for 40 years. Now it's a big number again. Things, things come, everything goes around. What goes around comes around, they say, Andrew. Dow futures up 50. Over in Europe, we've got DAX up 121, another 0.8%. They were up almost, I think they were up a full percent yesterday. So Europe's been uh, going pretty strong this week. Uh, FTSE up 57.7%. CAC around up 59.9%. So very bullish over there. Over in Asia, Nikkei up 3 bucks. Call that flat. The Hang Seng up 78.4%. Shanghai up 1%. So... Slightly bullish, but but very very uh, quiet over over in uh, the Asian Asian markets. Not like the uh, the ones here. The uh, 
uh, over over the U.S. Wave Review yesterday, a nice rally. Dow up 268, S&P up 50, Nasdaq up 189. It's four days in a row. So I think whoever uh, thinks that they know what the number is coming in today, uh, they've gotten four days of it. Even if you if you know it's if you know it's a good number, which everybody seems to think it is, I think you probably still should have said enough's enough. But we'll see about that. Uh, bonds uh, down two basis points, 3.53. The bund down 5, 2.13. Japan unchanged at 0 0.50, which is the exact top where the Japanese government says they're going to allow this thing to roam, and it's roamed right there. Uh, oil up a buck two, 78.43, creeping back towards 80. Brent up a buck 14, 83.81. Natural gas up a dime, 377, still significantly under four bucks. Arbob up three cents, 247. Uh, gold up 12.30, 18.91, making another push towards 1900. I'm still long in there. I'm getting a little nervous up here. Uh, silver up four cents, twenty three ninety three. Copper down two cents, four fourteen. We have Bitcoin over eighteen thousand, six fifty four, and we've got the U.S. dollar virtually unchanged uh, at uh, one oh seven to the to the uh, euro and one twenty one to the uh, British pound. Andrew, what do you got for us, Trevi Weather Sports? All right, it is uh, six thirty eight here in Chicago on uh, January twelfth. Starting off with sports, last night the Bulls lost to the Wizards. Ending their game just 97 to 100 points. Uh, and the Suns also lost to the Nuggets, uh, ending 126 to 97. Uh, tonight, we can uh, look forward to, maybe or maybe not, the Blackhawks playing the Avalanche at 7.30. And the Coyotes are going to be playing the Senators at 8 p.m. Chicago time. Now over to weather in Chicago. It is currently cloudy. 37 degrees. We're going to have a high of 39 today. And over in Phoenix... Uh, the skies are looking clear. Going to have 42 degrees with a high of 72. Now, finally, for Chicago traffic, uh, thankfully no major accidents on the expressways today. Uh, however, traffic is steadily building on those expressways, particularly the Stevenson at the moment. So that's all I got. Back to you, Jim. Uh, Lou, I'm going to ask you a, a question of a man of the world. I'm not going to ask about any marital things or anything like that regarding your, your person. I would never do that. But just in general, I have I have a question for you. Say you were you were a, a real big shot, making a bunch of dough and very famous and so forth, which you are, by the way. Uh, and you happen to have a a wife who's also maybe even a little bit bigger of a big shot in some some areas, making a whole bunch of dough, and you somehow either talked her into or she thought you talked her into investing in like FTX or like Bitcoin or something. Uh-huh. It sort of blew up. Would that be? Uh, <clears throat> would you expect the divorce papers like the next month? I'm not talking about. I'm not, I'm not talking about Tom Brady and Gazelle. I would never do that. Um. It, it would. De- it would depend. I mean, you know, those kind of decisions should be made, you know, jointly, and it would depend on the level of trust between the two parties and to the extent that the marriage or the relationship is principally a transactional one I would expect divorce papers within the next the next month <laughs> um, to the extent that you have two people who are actually you know partners and there's a high level of trust in that relationship I would I would expect the two of them to look at each other and go, man, we really screwed up here. Uh, this was a terrible mistake. And, um, you know, 
rather than trying to blame one or the other. If there's not a high degree of trust, then the blame the blame game starts. Um, it, 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 and and I've never I've never been a big fan of blaming in in relationships past perhaps the initial 15 seconds of oh hell you know this should have been this should have been caught or you should have caught this w- once it's done blame's not going to fix anything no and yet and yet couples engage in extended blame like this for years before it finally destroys whatever the relationship was so so i which is a long-winded way of my saying i don't think a relationship comparable to that of mr mr brady and his bunchin um would break up over something like this i think that relationship cratered over football maybe well I mean, i'm just saying I, I, i'm reading the names of the people involved in this stuff and i just I absolutely am stunned, Lou, that the Ontario Teachers Fund was in this thing up to their eyeballs. I mean, I don't know, I'm, I'm sure it's not, maybe it's, I'm not sure, but I suspect it's not a significant part of their their money, but I, I can't even imagine how they would get themselves involved with something like this. I can't even, I'm sure if I talked to them about something conservative, they'd kick me out the door as a it, schlump. You know, and I, yeah. I, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it investments like, like you know, recommendations for a lot of other things are personal. You know this. It's word of mouth, and so-and-so says it's a good deal, and I trust them, and and that person got the information from somebody else that she trusted and or whom she trusted, and and so you get this web. It's, it, it, you know, it's already made off, you know, on steroids. Well, I would uh, say that if I was an attorney... I wouldn't, would I have strong positive feelings about the the group that allegedly, you know, keeps track of lawyers and tries, if their sleaze bags takes away their license or something? No, I would say those people are probably doing a horse crap job. Uh, but that's not the same as saying, I'm going to hire an attorney that moved to the Bahamas so he's not part of the legal system here. I would never do that. I mean, I, the well, idea that somebody heads yeah. off out, out, away from the regulatory authorities how does how does somebody that invests money for other people, like the Ontario teachers? How do they how, how do they how do they even do that, Lou? I, I, I mean, I, I think I think this is just a situation of this kid, and he's a kid, picking up on what people wanted to hear. He's well credentialed. He he comes his pedigree, you know, the degrees all look all look pretty good, to the extent that. A bunch of people ignored or or were willing to rationalize the red flags, and I'm sure he had some glib explanation as to why they were operating. And I'm sure there was some glib discussion of here's what's actually happening with your money. We know now that that at least some of that was untrue. Well, if I if um, I was in charge of the Chicago's Teachers Union, and I gave this guy a hundred million bucks. I have no idea how much is in the Chicago Teachers Union, but if I gave him a hundred million bucks, and I found out the next day that he paid a hundred is going to pay over the next five years, whatever it was, hundred million bucks for Major League Baseball to put FTX on the umpires, I'm going to say, by the way, was was that my hundred million? I don't want to do that. I mean, how do you not ask that question? I, I, I'm, I'm stunned. 
Um, I, I, I mean, again, I'm pretty sure that people were asking these questions and that there was some facile explanation, or as I say, glib explanation for it that, that made sense. And because you want to be attached to a socially progressive, I mean, a lot of these people are social progressives. They want to be attached to a guy who is a cutting edge. You know, this is the new thing. We talked about this. This is the new thing. Everybody wants to jump on board. It's not technology. It's something else. I mean, my personal reaction, and I, you know, and I told you this, is I would have told the guy, you explain to me in 25 words or less what the value of, of this thing that we're buying is to my satisfaction. And if you can't do it in 25 words or less, then I'm not going to invest with you. All right, and, and, the, and the Ukraine and, and Russia, what, since it's becoming the forgotten thing, it's like uh, I keep going back to that movie with uh, my favorite actress in, uh, the girl from Saturday Night Live, uh, something, something, where she was in Afghanistan and everything. In order for it to get on the front page, you had to get, get a higher and higher death count or something. Uh, you know, Are you talking about the woman from Thirty Rock. No, uh, What's her, the writer Tina, Tina. Yeah, Tina. I want to say Tina Turner. No, uh, <laughs> Tina Louise. No, I know. Yeah, Tina. What's her face? Right. Yeah, um, and, and, and it, the movie was so true about that. I think. And is is the same thing happening in Ukraine now? Well, uh, my favorite line in that respect is. You may not be interested in the Ukraine or in the war in Ukraine, but the war in Ukraine is interested in you. Tina Fey. Tina Fey. Um, yeah. So I, I think, I think we're down. We're getting down to kind of the boring stuff because because the, you know the, the gains now are incremental. There's been there's been a you know a very slight Russian advance in the northern part of near uh, Bakhmut that uh, that's occurred recently. Uh, I'm not sure whether that's a strategic withdrawal by the Ukrainians, or or it's actually you know the Russians engaging in, in some smart tactics. I, I will say this: most of that fighting in that area is being done by the so-called Wagner Group, which is a mercenary army that that operates directly now with the with the Russian military. They are, according to accounts, and this is not the first time I've read this, but. They are, according to accounts, using uh, prisoner and convict soldiers that they are forcing to advance against fixed Ukrainian positions. And if they don't, if the Ukrainians don't kill them, then the Wagner guys will shoot them. Um, it, it, it's, I mean, this stuff was done in the Second World War, the shock battalions that the, that the Soviets uh, put together with convict, uh, you know, gulag uh, soldiers. Um, the the Wagner guys hate the Russian the Ministry of Defense people, and I think the feeling is mutual. They they don't care for each other. Um, the head of the Wagner group, the guy who owns the the company, is I think working to establish himself as a power player, and really angling for some kind of higher role within the Russian government by showing, hey, my troops can fight. Now he's got more money than the for, for outfitting and supplies than the Ministry of Defense does, and I think they probably take better care of the people they're putting into the field. But but they are a significant portion of the people that they are hiring now are coming out of Russian prisons. 
and, and they're using. Well, what what is the what is the economic dynamic? I mean, I God, why do I always go to something like that? Uh, I read stories when we were in Afghanistan. The people that we contracted to be over there, because everybody was sort of no matter where you were, you were sort of in the uh, war zone. Just because you were you were fixing jeeps doesn't mean you weren't in war zone. Uh, that the contract people had way better. Uh, chest protectors, way better, you know, more ammo and everything else than our regular soldiers. Is that is that true? How, how are we paying somebody else more money to outfit their people than we outfit our own people? Well, we're not paying them more money. They're getting, but they are, they do have access, more immediate access to funds, and we're talking now about the, the combat contractors. Yeah. Not the combat contractors. Um, uh, Blackwater and, and its subsequent variations. Those guys, those guys don't have a support structure to support to, to field. They only have to they only have to field the fighters. Okay. And so the money the money that they get uh, is not diffused among large numbers of people and large number of non combat type resources, so they can go out and buy the top end stuff. This is this has been the case for hundreds of years. Private private soldier companies, private contractors, almost always have better. I thought uh, we were contracting these people to do. Some, I'll say, fighting or or, uh, or uh, gathering information, but uh, we were we were getting groups that uh, did all the food work, did the hospital work, did the the repair work, the machines, and that stuff. I thought we were we were, we were contracting guys to do more of that. Or am I wrong? We we do, but we also intermix we also intermix direct combat and combat support and security operations with you know intermix civilians uh, uh, contractors into that role. So, so, for example, protection details for senior officials, in many cases, would be private contractors. They might protection details for the embassy, for example, in Benghazi. That was a private contractor detail that was, that was involved in that. Um, when Blackwater was doing private security support, and, and their, you know, their guys were, were out actively shooting people. So we, we do it on a we do it on a very small scale. The Russians have have a literally an army that is private contracting, and they are they are actually fighting in, in as a as a subset of the Russian army. They are fighting full scale combat operations against Ukrainian forces in the north. How, how, how different? Well, I'm going to test my history is not so good on revolutionary. How different is that than? Like Washington finding money to to hire the Hessians to fight is same thing. Um, I mean, contract contract soldiers were a lot more common back then. Hiring hiring private or armies to fight for you was a lot more of a, a common thing at that point. Um, it it's it's very unusual in modern warfare um, to have a to have a contract army like that attached. And as an instrument of your of your foreign policy, the way that the Russians have, but it is comparable. I mean, it's a comparable kind of thing to to what they did in Europe, uh, up, you know, up until fairly recently. So, so these guys, these, these guys are operating in the north. They've had some success. The Russian general command got shaken up. They removed the general who was responsible for the over-the-front of the special operations, <clears throat> put a new guy in, Gerasimov, 
who is a well-known figure within the Soviet Ministry of Defense uh, areas, he was actually running the operation until about 10 months ago, and then they replaced him because they were having, they weren't getting uh, good results. Um, he was replaced by a guy who actually was able to organize and, and, and generate some some uh, fighting response within the Russians to stabilize the lines. Um, but he was unpopular. He wasn't political because he was the one that was up front complaining about the lack of equipment and the lack of understanding and mobility. So he's been effectively demoted. They put Gerasimov in. Gerasimov and Wagner hate each other. They're they're going to get each other's throats, I assume. Um, so that on the Russian side, that's going on. We are moving, or have said we're going to move Bradley fighting vehicles, of which we have a, a lot, uh, into the into the forward areas with the Ukrainians to give them. What are what are what are Bradleys? They're not they're not tanks. What are they? No, they're uh, infantry fight IFVs, infantry fighting vehicles. They're they're personnel carriers. They carry six, seven armed, fully armed uh, combat soldiers in the fight. They're they're like mini tanks that they, they can destroy a tank. They have uh, they have tow missiles which are big. They're not. There's no. They're not half tracks. They're they're tires. All right. No, no, they're tracked. Okay. And, and they're track they're track vehicles. They've got anti tank capability with the tow missiles, which will kill anything on the battlefield. Um, they've got a chain gun that fires uh, twenty five millimeter uh, depleted uh, uranium uh, uh, rounds, uh, very effective against tanks and other armored carriers. But this will give the Ukrainians a lot more mobility up front, the ability to move against against uh, fixed Russian positions. So that's coming forward. <clears throat> There's also a report. That the Ukrainians are going to start getting uh, front front line, although not top of the line, Leopard tanks from Poland, which will give them again uh, a significant upgrade in their armor capability. Some really horrific video coming out of Ukraine recently, showing Ukrainian troops with night vision goggles. So, so in the in the West, especially here in the United States, we have for at least two decades, three decades, worked on our night fighting capability. We equip all of our equipment with, with MBG stuff. Our troops all have MBG when they go out into the field at night. And we can we can fight almost effectively at night as we can during the day. The Russians, and we've given a bunch of that equipment to Ukraine, the Russians don't equip their people with this. At night, they are as blind as, you know, some guy in the Revolutionary War was blind. Um, but the Ukrainians have this stuff, and there are some horrific, horrific video of the Ukrainian troops moving into, you know, trenches and areas like this and killing, you know, killing Russian troops who, who really have no idea they're out there because they can't, they can't see them. <clears throat> so that, that, that's probably the most recent video stuff I've seen. Some really interesting technical stuff coming out. It looks like the Russians are deploying their fifth generation uh, uh, stealth fighters at least to engage in some air-to-air stuff. The Russians have been using, probably for the last six months, the uh, their very advanced interceptor, the MiG-31, which fires a, you know, a 200 nautical mile range air-to-air missile. Um, and there have been some significant uh, some kills. What's the, know, what's the best plane the uh, Ukrainians have? They don't have the X-15 or anything, do they? The X-15? Or whatever, not the X-15, the <laughs> F-15. No, they don't have the X-15. We don't have that either. No, the Ukrainians, the Ukrainians are flying MiGs. 
Uh, and, okay. and, and, you know, we've equipped, we've upgraded some of the capability on those MiGs. But they're, they're flying MiGs. The, the, the Russians are using some of their, it's called a Kinzhal, it's a, an, or a R, sorry, R-37. It's a hypersonic long-range missile that will kill it like 200 miles. We have nothing like that in our inventory. Uh, they've, been, they've been doing long-range, uh, some long-range fighter kills with these things. Um, but, but the situation right now is, is sort of stabilized. There have been no big gains by, by the Ukraine. Are, 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 are we and the rest of the world giving these guys just enough stuff to keep them in the fight till the place is totally destroyed, or are we giving them enough to win? I think we're giving them, well, I mean, we're giving them as much as, as we can spare out of our stockpiles and as much as we can back up with production. The, um, the Secretary of the Navy yesterday made a speech that echoed something I've been telling you since 2014, which is, our defense industrial base has got to ramp up production or we're going to have to start cutting back on what we're giving to Ukraine because we're, we're so far into our stockpiles that are trying to become an issue for us. Well, our friend, uh, our, for Europe. our friend Mike Murphy, who was in the Army part, you were in the Air Force, said that a lot of this goes back to Rumsfeld trying to do a just-in-time inventory for the Army. Is that true? Well, that was, that was actually McNamara, but I mean... Our defense production. It's, this is this is not Rumsfeld. This is as the war on terror. War on ter- excuse me. War on terror began to, to develop. We stopped making a lot of high tech stuff because we didn't need it. We weren't fighting an enemy that that was fly, you know challenged our air superiority or or had heavy artillery or anything like that. And so we stopped making F 22s and we stopped making Stingers and we stopped buying a lot of stuff. And so our defense base needs to be ramped up to, to supply basic things like artillery shells. Now, is that, is, are those, are those I'll use uh, the assembly lines, for lack of a better term, using my Pullman vernacular. Production are, are, are they dead, gone, the building's down, like Pullman's down, or, or are they someplace? I don't think we've made a stinger since, like, 2006. So and is the building now a Walmart, I guess, is my question. I have, I have no idea. The production line's gone. The production line for the F twenty two is gone. Um, you know, I, I mean, I mean, these are not these are not easily reassembled things. I mean, oh God, no. one tank. We got one tank production line. I think that's running. So, you know, but, but these are these are a little more esoteric. Yeah. We we got to ramp up our production of artillery shells. Well, that's what I mean. The simple stuff. I mean, it, those lines. I don't imagine we would. No, those lines are still those lines are still productive, but it's a question of. What capacity you've got? Well, and, and as we know, from what I talk about on the show, my nephew is my barometer. These places, if they're doing fifty shells a day, they ask me to do a hundred and double double their place. A lot of places can't do it because the the the, the uh, delivery time on, on stuff to have a second line might be a couple of years these days. We don't we don't we've lost lost the ability in a lot of areas. Not lost, uh, lost is the wrong term, but we've we've down downplayed our. Even simple stuff like conveyor belts and stuff might have a lead time of you know six months instead of six days. Well, and it's not it's not just the the physical production line; it's labor. Right. You know, a lot of this stuff is not done with unskilled labor. You can't just pluck. You got It's a four month, six month training project. We got a dash, Lou. Uh, you guys are you're out of your drought, I hear, and you got nothing but snow. There's a lot of snow, but we're not out of the drought yet. I was just looking the other day. You should check it. I'm ahead of you on this. Only no, one. No, I've, I've looked. If you looked, I mean, the part, the, the Denver area, the Denver area is okay. We still have moderate to severe drought in the eastern part of the state. 
I was looking at the very little corner down in the southwest as well or someplace, but by and large, the state is white, which means it's no drug. We're, 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 we're okay for the next couple of weeks. Now, California, I'm going to say the reservoirs will be overflowing within like a day. Just saying. Um, I haven't looked at Oroville. Oroville's my big marker for that. It looked pretty low the last time I saw it a couple of days ago, but who knows? At five, six inches of rain a day, you, you catch up pretty quick, Lou, just saying. SP <laughs> Futures up 10, <laughs> now tw- up 21 in the NASDAQ. Whoever thinks these numbers are going to be good, I think they're probably right, but the question is, are we come too far? We will see. Be right back, Mr. Dan Janitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and, jocks, stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. There's something happening here. Well, welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures now 12. We must. Somebody's got this number. Not us. Maybe Dan has us. Nasdaq Futures up 23. Dan, how are you? Do you have the number? I do. <laughs> I'm just, uh, so I, I, got, I was just thinking of you, and you and Joan Baez in the same same sentence. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine. <laughs> uh, 
Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes? So a, yeah. a guy like you going out to say buy a Mercedes Benz, not that you know would do such a thing. If you went out and now your Mercedes three years ago was seventy five grand and now it's a hundred and five, but this month it's going to be a hundred and four seven. I'm going to I'm going to declare you you're okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm holding on to the one I have. I got a new transmission at this year, so it, it's you, running pretty well right now. <laughs> how did you end up getting the new transmission? How long of a wait was that? It was a long wait because uh, apparently Mercedes that were made nine or ten years ago, they no longer keep the uh, transmissions in stock, so I had to get a used one shipped from California. So, uh, yeah, and it actually happened right in the middle of the inflated um, uh, you know, car prices. So everything, whether they be used cars or new cars, I wasn't quite ready for a new one. So uh, this one is doing fine right now. Well, good. But I think that's what we're we're, we're looking at today. I mean, I, I know it's, I'm, I'm trying to be be a yeah, smartass yeah. about this, but I think that's exactly what we're talking about. We're talking about a price level that is far and far and away higher than the average American can deal with, and now we're going to drop it by a hair today, and we're going to declare everybody okay. Is that what we're doing? I, I actually agree with you. I do think um, CPI is going to come in um, lower. Um, part of the reason also is energy prices because it's not so much, you know, that it, it doesn't include energy per se, but a lot of other businesses that are, you know, part of the CPI are, you know, do include, you know, transportation costs and energy prices. So that's going to help. Uh, you know, there's been some improvements in the supply chain. I'm not sure how, um, you know, I, I think there's just, different areas of the economy that are still struggling with, with uh, supply chain issues. But I'm seeing that that this new norm, if you will, in prices is going to present a year of what I refer to as stabilization. So the numbers will come in lower. Um, we're expecting them to be a little bit lower. Um, not sure how the re- market is going to respond. I think the, the there is an expectation for less inflation, but I don't think we're in any, you know, anybody who goes grocery shopping or goes out to eat um, or pays for a service, whether it be the the cleaning person or the, you know, or the contractor, the electrician, you know you're paying more now. You're paying considerably more. And you're right, there's a breaking point where you can say, you know, you know do I need this service or, or, you know, is there a way? My belief, and this is sort of just a belief in the American way, if you will, is that at some point competition will come back. So somebody is going to be wise and think, ah, you know, rather than charging whatever the electrician charges, I have a good, I'm going to provide a little bit better service and just charge a tiny bit less. And when the demand is dropped, you know, when the demand starts falling off, people are going to be uh, calling me. So I, I think that type of thing will happen. Um, it's going to take some time or it is taking some time to get there, um, but, but we'll get there. Uh, higher, you, you know, we will see, I think, 25 basis point increase at least in February, maybe one in March, regardless of what this number comes out at today. I think that's just the Federal Reserve's um, plan. I don't think there's going to be any pivoting, but uh, yeah, I do expect numbers to be a little lower. And, you know, the market, you know, it's kind of, it's been relatively stable this year. You know, like I said, the word for 2023 for me is stabilization. So, um, we haven't seen the volatility, and I don't expect we're going to see volatility volatility in the market from this number either. Well, I, I uh, this week a couple of things have happened. That is, as you know, my my new one of my new uh, 
soapboxes is all about uh, embedded inflation versus stuff that the Fed or anybody else can do anything about. And this week, kind of two things have happened here in Illinois, and I'm just going to ask you, ask you if the same stuff is happening in Florida. Is uh, in the last week, people's gas came out and said, "Oh, by the way, they want another 12 bucks a house next year for delivery charge." It's totally separate from where the price of natural gas actually goes, right? So now they claim that there's a pipeline that's been around for God knows when that needs all this repair. Well, they're supposed to have been repairing it for the friggin' hundred years it's been here. That's why we've been paying these idiots, but they don't do that. Uh, I guess people can understand where I'm coming from by the way I said that. Uh, so that's happening. And now in Illinois, the the gasoline tax, guess how much total tax per gallon? I no idea. <laughs> Well, take a stab. You're good at this stuff. Take a stab. Twenty <laughs> percent. It's, it's, it's ninety-one. Cents. Ninety-one cents. Ninety-one cents. So that's that's pretty close, right? Twenty percent. Well, it's uh, that, that, that. gas is three thirty-seven in the burb, so it's more net. It's uh yeah, it's more than that. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, but but so no matter what, it used to be that if our bob was you know two bucks, you paid. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say. You know, two eighty. That's not going to be the case anymore. You're going to be paying three thirty. That's crazy. And, and you know what? What bring both of your points bring something to mind that that I'm still wondering what what you know what's happening with the quote infrastructure bill in terms of how it's getting paid out because the tax on the, the gas tax is supposed to help with roads and and bridges and, and infrastructure, highway infrastructure. But what about you know some of these other things that seem to be where we seem to be paying a premium, I would have imagined would have been covered by the the, the infrastructure bill, and I just don't know where that money went. You know, I mean, it would be, be great to see some accountability for, you know, like a breakdown of, of where that money went and how it's being spent. I think um, you're not as south side suspicious as I am. You went to the same people it always goes to, and not to you and me. It's going to went to some super overage for some railroad station somewhere. Or they could have done one for three million bucks and did one for twenty. It's, it's going to the same places it always goes, Dan. I mean, it, I mean, the, the people that really have a problem with you know our our governmental system here and the amount of stealing, it's it's scary. I mean, I I, I honestly believe that. I mean, I, I I don't. I mean, I don't. These guys, whenever they, I would guess you know I'm not I'm not I'm not a crazy domer like some people, but I would say that if you if you check the difference between a new building. And a private school like Notre Dame or DePaul or Marquette or someplace, not that they're all Catholic, it doesn't make any difference, versus what the University of Illinois would pay, I bet it's double. You know, I, mean, I, I, would, I would agree. Yeah. It's, it, it, um, I understand what you're saying. Also, I, I, do, I do agree that there is a certain amount of embedded inflation. There is a certain amount of, of um, inflation that has been happening the one area that it had where it hadn't happened up until a few years ago was on the wage side, and I do think we're seeing that on wages now. And I said, and I've mentioned this several times, I've said long before um, we saw the, you know, the, the this COVID um, and and Russia situations hit us, um, that wages were really what we were waiting for, wage inflation, because inflation was ticking up. I mean, there, like you're saying, there were. Certain parts of the economy, in particular, and I think of you know when you're talking about construction, and, the, and part of the reason, for example, that construction has gone up is home prices have gone up as well. So the cost of new construction, whether it be a 
lean on Illinois' campus or whether it be, you know, a new home in Florida, people, somebody's making money here. And the builders, I think, have, have done well. But that's just one example, and I think that example, um, you know, goes across the board. The recent increases that we've seen and, you know, the sort of spike that we've seen recently, I do believe that's going to stabilize. And I think that's a situation of supply and demand and also of economics, which are, you know, substitution. You know, regarding the, the, the government, my only wish, regardless of what the policies are, is that they're just transparent. I mean, that's really all that, that I would ask for. And I think that's, you know, we certainly have more transparency than, than other countries like China, but... I think, it was, you know, the more transparency, the better, because then it allows both individuals and companies and businesses to know how to respond. How come the more transparent we get, the less transparent we get? Yeah, I mean, that's what seems to happen. Um, and just, it, I agree, that's what seems to happen. But it's there's still, you know, there's still a lot of information that would be, you know, would be helpful to, I think, you know, Americans trying to say, right, and do the right thing, you know, right now, and also to businesses are trying to plan for the future so uh, what uh how come i don't know but the last last one of these crazy questions i'll ask you i promise how come uh you look at the uh median wage since 2000 and it's barely up and now it's going up some not not even uh keeping up with inflation yet this is this horrible wage inflation we have to deal with yet if you look at executive salaries from 2000 to today They've got to go on up how many times? Three or four? And, oh, yeah. And, and, yet, and yet that's never, you're never going to see that on CNBC. Very seldom, so, yeah. Gee, Joe, the president of Disney in 2000 made a million. You just made 10. How do you, how do you justify that? I mean, you'll never you'll never hear that question asked, but you will. Have, you will have, how come the clown in 2000 is, was making 10 bucks an hour, and now he's making 12, and you're pissed off about it? Right, yeah. No, I hear you. I, and I agree. That's, those are things that definitely... Those are areas that we definitely need more transparency. And I think if for an investor in those companies or for, um, you know, a shareholder, an investor, or even an employee, I think that that, that information absolutely needs to be more transparent. Hey, uh, I didn't the only time you hear about it is when, they, when they're saying, hey, we're not going to take as much. We're, you know, we decided to keep our salaries at this level. That's when you hear about it. But, yeah. but um, on another somewhat related topic, I was going to say the one thing that's going to happen, I think, this year, so we have this stabilization going on right now, the one thing that's going to happen, I, I think it's going to be important to follow the earnings um, for this quarter, and they're going to start coming out now, and the reason I say that is expectations, earnings expectations have been cut, so as, this, as the economy has contracted in here, earnings expectations have been cut, so it's going to be very interesting to see how well these companies performed in the fourth quarter, and and more importantly, how the market's going to respond to that news. Dan, I want to. Uh, I can only do this with you when it comes to uh, fixed income stuff, without even warning you. I'm starting to get. Uh, well, a few of the people here are starting to get, as we, as you know, based on uh, what we see and, and clearly with your advice, uh, we've got an awful lot of people in treasuries. And I was talking to people last night and talking about it because one guy was asking me, I can get a you know, a 17-month or year CD at some bank for four and a quarter. And I said, God, you can get the Treasury for four fifty. It's a hell of a lot easier. Uh, and, and, and by the way, you can get out if you want to. I'm not saying anything bad about the bank giving it. That seems like a pretty good deal, but I think we can sort of do better. But we've been getting a real lot of questions regarding, because uh, people are also worried about taxes, uh, 
uh, munis and the idea that some munis are paying six and seven. I I have I don't look that much, but I haven't really seen that. My experience with munis have usually been somebody a new customer, a uh, new client at that point, uh, ships in some munis with his account and says, "How about if I try and get out of this one?" And it's it, every single time it's been a nightmare. Now, granted, a lot of these are are these tax these uh, what, do they, what do they call the tax areas the tips tips or tips or wherever they are. Uh, you know, they're very small yes. type of things and. But just in general, I've never had, uh, even though I'm I'm registered as a municipal securities guy, I've never had a whole hell of a lot of luck getting really good, uh, so we say, markets that I'm used to in that in that stuff. And it seems like if somebody wanted one, I'd have to talk to somebody like you, and maybe we'd get involved in one. But the idea that you might not want it six months from now, I'd have to say, you know, stay away from that area. But you can, why don't you educate me and everybody else a hell of a lot more? Is that a, a regular option? Regular is that a, a viable option for, I'll say, a, a slightly high end investor? You know, maybe somebody with a half a million million dollar account. Are munis really something they should be looking at? I mean, I guess I. I yes, I, I think absolutely, and I think absolutely now that rates have have gone up, um, they're even more attractive. What you look at when you look at an municipal is. We look at how the what the yield is compared to the yield of a comparable um, maturing treasury. So, if you're looking, um, you know, at a five year, you want to see if the five year, you know, is currently trading at, um, you know, four percent, and the five year muni is trading at two and a half. You want to the AAA muni. You want to see whether that tax equivalent yield is going to be equal. If if the the best situation for municipals is just to realize when you're going in that you're not going to be able to pick and choose the specific municipality you want to buy unless there's a very large issue outstanding. And munis are usually put away. They're, they're bonds that individuals and corporations just buy and sit on any taxable account and they sit on it for the tax-free yield. So it's, they don't trade as frequently, which is one problem. The other problem is that you're right, the issue size so you're not going to have, you're less likely to have issue sizes, you know, of $500 million or more. Now, you may have that for a large GO, general, general obligation of, say, the state. But when you're talking about a project which is going to pay more, you're usually going to see like 100 Now, the other thing, too, about the way municipals are offered is they come in what's called a series. So when a, when a, an organization, well, let's say a, a, a project is being done on O'Hare Airport, and there's going to be a series of bonds issued to pay for that, and it's going to be done, um, so you're going to have a one-year, a two-year, a three-year, a four-year. So you're buying one of those particular tranches, if you will, one of those maturities. So naturally, even if the whole deal is, is um, 500000 and it's split into 10 pieces, each piece is only 50. So when you go to sell, you're really only selling a particular bond where there are 50,000 outstanding, or likewise, when you're looking to buy. And those bonds are usually locked up, meaning they're hard to find. So yes, because of background, I, I traded, um, well, I managed several municipal bond uh, mutual funds and have traded muni since you know day one in the business. So I have a fair amount of experience What's unique right now about the muni market that's different than corporates or treasuries? The yield curve is pretty much flat until you get out to 30 years. So that means that the yield you're getting on the short end 
is just a little bit more than the yield, let say you're getting on a five-year or ten-year, um, but the yield you're getting on the 30-year is almost 100 basis points more than what you're getting on a one-year. So it's not the same um, yield curve. You're not getting the same curve. That being said, where you're getting the, probably the most bang for the buck, and this goes back to your question about liquidity and holding and all that, you can buy a AAA GO right now, a six-month, it's somewhere between a six-month and a one-year, AAA-rated, not necessarily GOs, but AAA-rated munis for four and a half, four forty, four and a half percent. After tax yield is going to be seven. Depending on what state you're in, if it's a state, you know, if it's California, Illinois, uh, New York, you're going to get a little bit more than that. If you're looking at a single A in that short, that that shorter term time horizon, six months to a year, you're going to get closer to four eighty. So yes, those are very attractive. I think right so now if, I think there's if, some opportunity in the short end. I think that tax equivalent yield um, is much higher than what you get in in um, certainly in um, the treasury market, and even better than what you get in corporates now because corporate bond spreads tightened. So this is a good place to look. Now the problem is if you say, hey, I get a little more yield if I go out thirty years. Well, the truth is you don't. That's the first. That's the first truth. You don't get a whole lot more. And is it worth taking that interest rate risk? Well, that just means yeah, you can say yeah, I'll just hold on to that five percent or the seven percent after tax or eight percent after tax for thirty years. But a lot of things happen, and and as you you know alluded to earlier, it's possible that you want to sell it, and you might get in a situation where rates have gone up and the price of your bonds gone down, and you don't have liquidity. So well, Dan, you and I have been well, I have. Again, because I'm that way anyway. But talking to you, I've made even you and I have done very well. I I believe uh, you know I, with people where we said, okay, the treasury rates got to three and a quarter. Let's do this for three months, six months, because we think they're going higher. And all of a sudden, we got our three and a quarter, and now we're we're pumping them out at four point six. I mean, so it's we, we we had a little bit of rate risk, but very little. Right you now, but I mean. But I, we can go. I, my brother actually does it. He goes to the auction for our people every Monday, right? And when next week it'll be Tuesday. Uh, by the way, Monday's a holiday for people who don't know. Uh, the how exactly? And I suppose I should know this. If all of a sudden somebody says, "Yeah, I'll, I'll do a, a million bucks in the the, the two year part of the the runway thing at O'Hare," how the hell do I get in my client in on that thing where I don't have to pay somebody's bid and ask spread because it's going to be wider than the treasuries for sure. Even if we we decide we're going to hang in there for two years, we're all going to live two years. We're all going to nothing's going to change for any of us. How do you participate out of the gate in that thing? I mean, without having to go through uh, I mean, w- w- the pr- the process is sure as hell not as easy as us going right to the treasury every Tuesday or Monday. Right. Yeah. You really do have to deal with a. You do have to have a trading platform where you're allowed to do that, which we do. So we we would be able to um, do that um, for client. And what we would also be able to do is to get we'd probably get a better allocation, and then we'd also get um, a better yield. So uh, for, for somebody who's looking for a full, you know, say you're looking for, you know, um, 100000 of a particular issue, you're competing with other people when you go to these auctions that are, you know, have a larger size, have, have larger trading experience, um, and it's, you, you probably would get shut out, especially right now. 
Um, the only way you wouldn't get shut out is if the yield was too low for the institutional investors or the larger investors. So, so you, in that case, you don't even want to be involved. What I recommend is doing what we do, which is trading predominantly in the secondary market, buying something at a discount to par or just about par, but still trying to get as much coupon yield as you can. So, who's so you're not looking for you're not looking necessarily just to get discounted, you know, um, coupons, but you're looking for a little bit of a discount to par. Something in the secondary market because it gives you a lot more options in terms of the maturity time frame, and generally they're going to trade. Uh, they're going to be trading. They're going to be less liquid, so they're going to be trading cheaper than what you get on a new issue. Um, well, you know, if, if, bond or, if if we go into the, the two year deal at O'Hare. We can't get in the primary. What you're saying is, if you get in the primary, you don't want it. <laughs> Imagine you might not want right exactly unless you have a unless you have a good size unless you're used to trading that market. So all of a sudden, uh, two weeks later, some's available. Well, somebody got one. Then in two weeks, something changed, life changed, or something. So if if I we you uh, can get that at a good price, it it probably means that guy's getting screwed, right? Uh, not necessarily. I mean, they might be forced to sell for some reason. It may not be two weeks. It might be two months. Okay. And they might be forced to sell. It might be a situation where, where somebody's raising capital. And I'm sure you've had that situation, too, where you have a client that seems to call it the absolute wor- worst time and says, you know, hey, we decided to buy, put the down payment on a house for our, you know, our daughter or, or um, we decided to buy that second home. We, we found a good price on a second home and we don't want to pay cash. I mean, we don't want to get a mortgage. So that'll happen, and then you'll say, okay, couldn't have you just waited, <laughs> or couldn't have you done it six months ago? Yeah, yeah. So that happens sometimes, and then they're just forced to sell. The other thing is, as you know, when you, when an account transfers, oftentimes they're, you're required to liquidate the account, yep. and, and um, that can cause uh, bonds to be put out um, in the market. And then, frankly, the other thing is people find something better. Yeah, well, so true. if rates go higher from here, right? So say, and they probably will in the short run, and you pay... You get three percent for that two year. Well, a year from now, now you know, I mean, six months from now, now they go up to four percent, and that person wants a four percent coupon, so they they sell their their other bond, even though it's straight at a discount. They'd rather have that that current income. Dan, if uh, this is the hardest question for anybody, so I'll ask it to you before you ask it to me. Uh, we've been up four days in a row. Now we're pushing five. If even if this number comes in where everybody seems to think it is, a little bit bullish, have we already basically shot the gun here or in five days in a row or what are we are we gonna are we ready to rally off from here another 20 percent or something i don't know if we're necessarily ready to rally another 20 percent but i do think like i said the tone of the market is i i i've used the word stabilization lack of volatility so if we do see a sell-off because investors determine that the the number isn't good then it's going to be a short-lived sell-off if we do see a rally I don't think it's going to be it's it's not going to be a twenty percent rally in one day. It might just be you know it might be some um, you know as we all have in January, especially investors, we all have a sense of optimism for for the upcoming year, especially after a year like last year. So there's still going to be that sense of optimism that I think will drive the market, regardless of where the number comes in. Well, we have a. I just I, I mean I, I I probably shouldn't say this because I'm always nobody's ever right all the time, especially me. Uh, but the idea that uh, this number comes in okay, that the Fed is going to immediately ratchet back to one and a half percent, and all of a sudden, you know, Amazon's going to be uh, four hundred fifty dollars again or three fifty, I think those people are in a different world. I, I think they're glue sniffing. But that—that's just me. No, I absolutely agree with you because going back to the reason that you know we have stabilization now is we had to get rid of the excesses in the system. 
So the excesses have come in a number of different forms. Uh, one big form of that that's obvious to, to any investor is the, tech, the technology sector, and, and certain names in particular that just were run up for, for you know, where the valuation didn't necessarily, um, you know, the, the, the companies became overvalued, the stocks became overvalued relative to the performance of the companies, and people just lived with it. Well, now there's going to be this stabilization. So those businesses that have kind of been left behind, I think will we'll do well. I know utilities have done well the last couple of weeks. I mean, they did well last year. They continue, they continue to do well. So you kind of go to the other end of the spectrum, and you're not going to see that. Um, there hasn't been as much excess in those markets. But anything, well, they're also, they're the also market, the, the, house, the home, you know, the housing market in certain parts of the country, there's just crazy excesses, and, and those are going to all be, I think they're going to be stricken sh- out this year. I think that's going to. I think, and I think that's a positive thing. And and I have a lot of optimism for the financial markets this year, certainly relative to last year. Well, yeah, I would, I would, I would as well. I, we got a dash here, Dan, because this number is going to come out here. We're going to probably take a break us here earlier. Um, thank you, bud. Uh, and by the way, very nice job on the on the uh, on the municipal stuff. I mean, I learned a lot. I think the listeners did as well. As usual, you're an amazing source. Talk at you next week, buddy. Uh, sure, don't show up for work on Monday. You're not. You don't have to work. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> I'll be in a boat. SP Futures. Wait a minute. We're down one. NASDAQ Futures down 60. This number must be out, even though we don't see it. We'll be back. Real, real short break here, Andrew. We'll be back. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, an owner of HomeSource Realty and a frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks. If you're nervous about the stock market and considering diversification or are looking for a rate of return way better than your banks, consider adding rental properties to your portfolio. Whether it's a condo, single family, or multi-unit building, I can help you select a property that meets your financial needs. Call or text me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Or visit my website at myhomesourcerealty.com. That's myhomesourcerealty.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Well, I'm back, stocks and jocks. I'm Tom. We're gonna have a very abbreviated uh, thing. I'm actually looking at all these numbers and the your labor statistics. They've been out for like a minute and a half. Still not anything on CNBC. Anyway, SP futures now down 18. Nasdaq futures down 92. As people. Uh, the part they don't like about this number, I'm going to guess, is even though the uh, 
the 6.5% year over year is exactly what people thought and the 0.1% to the downside on the month to month. That's the, the, the big number, but the uh, a less food and energy number, um, all items less food and energy show a positive 0.3 on the month to month. So that's a lot higher than I think people thought. So I guess that, that lies the difference. So we were down 16 in the S&P, we're down 75 in the uh, in the uh, of the NASDAQ, we'll see if that holds or what happens there. Uh, around the, re- the rest of this stuff is uh, consumer prices fell 0.1% in December in line with economists' expectations. But again, the less food and energy part I don't think was anywhere near close to that. Uh, so this other stuff, why don't you do uh, traffic weather sports and then we'll catch up on the other places because we're a little delayed on that. All right, all right. Uh, let's see. So starting off with sports. Uh, last night, the Bulls lost to the Wizards in their game 97-100. And the Suns also lost to the Nuggets, ending their game 126-97. Tonight, uh, the Black Hawks are going to be playing the Avalanche at 7.30. And the Coyotes are going to be playing the Senators at 8 p.m. Now for weather in Chicago, it is currently cloudy at 37 degrees. Going to have a high of 39 today. And over in Phoenix, there are clear skies at 42, with a high of 72 degrees. And now finally, uh, there uh, for Chicago traffic, a definite lot in the red and orange today out there, especially going inbound to the city. Um, and an accident to note is on the uh, left shoulder of the inbound Eisenhower at US 12. Uh, an accident has taken place and is slowing down things out there. So that's all I got for sports weather traffic. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? Uh, not just yet. Give me another minute, I'll get him right up. All right, I'm looking at some of these numbers. We still have... Uh uh, rent of shelter, rent of primary residence is up 0.8% on the month. And we're starting to get some catch-up here. And this is where this is coming from. And this was, we uh, we, we predicted this. Uh, when I say we, um, people on the show, including me, predicted that we're going to start getting some catch-up in this area. And these numbers are not going to drop as fast as people think they're going to drop. And, uh, and and they're not. And, uh, like I said, we got the, the, the full number today, which was which was uh, a negative. But we did, we're not getting the... Uh, um, you know the, the the one of less food and energy because we've got like I say the the owner's equivalent rent number is up 0.8 uh, percent. Now this is in ketchup, so it's 7.5 percent year over year. It had been in the sixes, which everybody knows since the prices went up for three years and the mortgage rates went up. That was a fictitious lunatic number. Okay, well now now we're gonna we're gonna catch up. So, John, how are you? What do you th- what do you think of the numbers, bud? I was. Depending on you to tell me what they mean, huh? <laughs> well, I, I think what's happening with and now we're positive in the market. We're up eight fifty, so some kind of spin is going on here. But by and large, I think the headline number was what people have been suspecting or maybe knew all week, and that's why the market has been up. And I think the uh, the less food and energy number is kind of a shock to the bad side. So how that all balances yeah. out, uh, I'm not sure. Because you and I have talked on many occasions uh, that the uh, um, the, the people who uh, you know do this stuff um, kind of know this stuff, but I, I don't. Eventually, we're gonna we're gonna catch up on these on these rent numbers and everything because a lot of this isn't just fraud. A lot of it is just timing. I think. You know, I think so. And you know, talk about bifurcated numbers. Yeah, there's our favorite term again. But these are kind of pulling against each other, really. Well, but now the, now we've got SP futures up 17. So whatever it is. The spin is is, is, is is coming into play, how well we are. And, and you have to ask yourself, the, I'm going to say the very, very ignorant rhetorical question, 
Price of cars go from twenty to forty, and now they're back to thirty-nine-five. How well off are you? Well, we're better off that they're not going up that fast, and maybe the the rate of change of prices is uh, muted, and it's I'll say even stopped, okay, or, or gone way low. It still doesn't mean that any everybody's comfortable. It's, it's not. I mean, used prices, used car prices, which went crazy because you couldn't buy a new one. Those are coming back down. Okay, that that's fine. That part I get it. That's competitive. But you and I, our gas prices aren't coming down as we put more and more taxes on it. Our our utility prices. I mean, Dan was just on talking about how utilities are a good buy. Well, of course they are. Duh. When do us raise prices? I mean, uh, right? Right. And even if car prices came down, new car prices came down ten. You're still looking at a whole bunch of people who are putting up buying any kind of a new car for years. So hey, hey by the way, this, this implies that everybody's just going to run out and buy a new car. I just made a uh, massive faux pas, and I was I was accusing Dan of being like Joan Baez. That's Janis Joplin. Oops, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My mind grows dim, huh? That's Janis Joplin, not Joan right. Baez. Our friend Kevin the Acapella. Yeah, go back up. Uh-huh. The uh, what do you think of uh, speaking of which? Well, we're on this, we just got on this. So what do you think of our? One of our favorite guys, Jeff Beck, dying yesterday, huh? Yeah, that's a, what, 78, 79. I, this is getting getting too close for comfort in my age group time. Well, I am now, you know, it, it, like it's... These obituaries of people I, I thought were, you know, had it figured out questions of adulthood and everything else I hadn't even thought about. Now they're cashing in their chips. This is kind of a wake-up call. Well, the only thing that I find, I won't say enthusiastic about people dying, but that these guys can live to 78, 80, 83 with the amount of abuse they gave their systems. I, I guess it's a triumph for humanity. I, I mean... I guess I could pat myself on the back. I never went that far yeah. out, so maybe I got a few years left in me, too. You know? the, uh, I remember we had a, one of our one friend of yours and mine, uh, we had some legal work we were doing way back in the day, and there were a couple of guys on the trading floor that I knew that were, you know, serious Hellraiser kind of dudes. They had a lot of money. They were broker in some big crowd. And and uh, one of the guys, he was doing work for this guy, too. And he says to me, you know, that guy's the same age as you are. I said, I would never have guessed that. He goes, let's just say he's he's poured a lot more living in his 35 years than you have. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're up to, now we're like unchanged with the NASDAQ down. So I... Uh, it's kind of odd, Jan. We've had four up days in a row as everybody was looking for this, quote, pause in this inflation that you and I have been talking about for six to eight months now. The pause happened back then. The pause happened when the Fed stopped uh, moving the money supply up. They st- it's actually been coming down, and our balance sheet's been coming down. There's no, there's, no, there's no gasoline on this fire. By gasoline, I mean excess money entering the system. So the... So the 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 pause, the lack of uh, inflationary push, stopped six to eight months ago. Anybody who I think has had some monetarist training would have agreed with me. Now, were prices still creeping their way up? Were, were people still getting raises? Are, are they? Is there still some some lag in the system? Absolutely. And is there a lag in the CPI numbers? Absolutely. Certainly in the areas that they've they for whatever reason have kept real low, meaning rent. Now, now where, where does that put us? It puts us with a price level that I think most people can't deal with. I'm, you know, so what? You, now, what do you do about that? I'm not. I'm not actually sure, John. What do you think? Well, you know, 
it's one thing to talk about fluctuations where things go up incrementally and go down incrementally and nobody's buying power is seriously affected, you know, maybe short term for a month or a year. But now you've got, you know, this, this reset that you, you know, the, the base price of everything, which shows no, there's no reason for it to decline significantly, no matter what happens with the money supply. And I, I can see where, you know, things like rent, and, and I'd like to talk about rent in terms of what's happening in loop real estate again. Yeah. Because um, this doesn't bode well either. But, but food, um, everything else that, that you would think would somehow be elastic in that when there's no you know, inflationary pressure like we've seen for years ramping up prices. But these prices do not decline precipitously. Maybe they never decline is what I'm, I'm afraid of. And then you've got a, 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 an economy that is completely really out of whack. <laughs> and you can't really price things like shelter or food in realistic terms because there isn't enough earning power for the average family or individual to even get those basics anymore or to have any kind of quality of life like what they're used to. And maybe this is by design time because the whole, you know, great reset that Davos has been pushing is about starving people of their appetites. And they're doing a pretty good job of it here, I would say, whether they're intending to or not, but I suspect maybe they are intending to do it. Well, it's, it's, it's I mean, I just... I'm appalled and I'm ready to shoot water balloons. That's all I could ever really shoot. At the people in their private jet telling me I shouldn't use my truck. I mean, I just I, I, I just can't go there, John. It just it appalls my my south side sensibilities. Uh, you know, I, I, I can't do that. I mean, uh, if you want to take the train and, and tell me you get rid of the private jet, maybe I'll listen to you. But in the meantime, shut the bleep up. You know, I'm just, is that just is that being too harsh? There's a good piece in the Epic Times yesterday, the day before, by Jeffrey Tucker, talking about you know all this drive, no more gas stoves. The Biden administration denies that that's what it's pushing, um, but he went through this whole laundry list, and no no pun intended, of how everything that is supposed to be energy efficient now, whether it's washing machines or dishwashers, you name it, has just made it impossible to get your clothes clean anymore because <laughs> your dishwasher. They all run seemingly forever, and it isn't like you get any better product at the end of it. And all of the stuff to save the environment, whether the detergent you use or whatever else, this sanctimonious attitude that this is all good, this is great, we're all doing this together, and really just makes you kind of put up with less. You don't have, you know, whites that are as white as they used to be. You don't have dishes that are as clean as they used to be. And it's all supposed to be, you know, you're, it's okay to pay this price because you're benefiting the planet. So we all got to pull together and starve ourselves in the same way, uh, which to me... Yeah, but it, you know, this starving only goes on for the other guy. Of course. No, just, you know, nobody's missing a meal up at the other end of it. I mean, Lori Lightfoot went and got her hair cut during COVID, and Boris Johnson had his parties, right? So, I mean, it's, it's just all for the other guy. All, all for the for D and not for me. Yeah. So, this this is, is it's become so totally transparent now to most people. I think um, that it, it, in addition to not being able to afford the basics that you were brought up with, whether it's just having a warm house or having a, a car of some kind that, that can get you around, I don't know what the you know the end game here is. But you know, certain people in certain countries you know, are not going to respond well to this. And I suspect that this has all been factored in, too, uh, how they're going to deal with this kind of, you know, rebellion or, or you know, explosion of, of pent-up energy. I, I don't 
see it as, as getting any better for the average person, though. And I think it's. Well, I, I don't. I just look at. Well, I look at a lot of stuff, obviously, and and I and, and I keep having guests on that make me look at more stuff, which is even better. But I look at the whole energy thing in this country, and and every I, all you gotta do is drive around, John, and, and and look out. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't look at the road ahead, but look around you. Look at drive through some of these towns. Every single one. Well, not. I'm sure there's some new stuff, and maybe some that have been retrofitted, but every single house you see. If if people were making a, you know, a wage that probably they deserve, or you know, uh, whatever. I mean, uh, every one of these houses, I'm sure, could use a dose of insulation. I'm sure they could use no windows. I think we could take every house in this country and cut their energy use by 25 to 40 percent, depending on the place. How many houses in the country don't have any ins- insulation? Uh, I mean, I own one. I mean, uh, I mean, it's they're all. I mean, we we can do things like that instead of whining about, you know, whether we should be using gas or electric. What's the difference? We're wasting it either way. I mean, there, there's there's why why can't we plant you know, all kinds of people that are homeless? I'm not saying they should all be gardeners, but why can't we plant a million trees this year in Chicago? One thing we know for sure from our friend Tom Conway, who is a uh, member of NOAA, the best the easiest and best way to to deal with carbon dioxide is to plant more trees. And and to clean out the garbage that uh, is in the is in the forest preserves, that's in the underbrush where it's loaded with, uh, you know, bugs that are creating carbon dioxide. Clean that stuff up. Plant some new stuff. We this is ver- we can take these positive approaches rather than than scrubbing some plant somewhere. I mean, they're simpler we, and cheaper. Simpler and too. cheaper. And by the way, you know, it, it's almost to the point, John, where I really would like. I don't. I don't want some bleep to tell me oh no it's too expensive to do this i i don't know that it's they have they constantly have care or emergency care for homeless and the and the, and the, the things that it, it bothers people why well all of a sudden now we're everybody's driving because nobody wants to be in a rapid transit i mean it's not everybody but it's maybe maybe it wouldn't be more expensive to actually try and solve some of these problems and just let them go i'm not so sure it would be and I don't know who, who the hell's doing the math. And I'm going to say the guy doing the math for the lady probably isn't as good at it as I am, and they probably already know what the answer they want. You know, I'm just yeah. It's it's, it's about getting to some result that does that defies good sense and your way of thinking, my way of thinking. Yeah, I mean, it, I, it doesn't make economic sense, certainly. No, I don't. I don't see how um, some of the stuff that the, that the fixes I, in the long run. I don't see how. Having some sort of a, a school, a technical school or something at county jail and the rest of these, I don't see how that's something that you, you can't afford. I, it seems to me at the end of the day, if 20% of the people end up being tax-paying individuals instead, instead of back in jail, I don't see how the hell you're not way ahead of the game. I'm not talking about everybody. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people that probably aren't, uh, uh, you know, reconcilable, shall we say, but whatever the term would be, uh, savable. But what if it's what's the number have to be 10 20 25 percent to where it's worthwhile I bet it's low but does well, anybody it's know certainly lower than having to put up with, with the, you know the, the inefficiencies built into what we've got now yeah I mean I mean I would I'm used to I, w- you know, I would like to take to having a population now that is semi-educated or uneducated with no trade and this is why gang culture looks so attractive to so many people this is because these people are stupid is because they've been trained
trained in a way that these are the only opportunities they're supposed to have. So you can't really, I guess, come down on people too hard for belonging to a gang. What else is on the table? Well, well that's right. All right, so uh, yesterday, for those who don't read Cranes and these other places, the iconic Board of Trade building, it just was tossed into foreclosure. I mean, what a change in the last 20 years down here. Uh, and other than the pe- the people who run the Board of Trade, or, or the Merck now, making un- unconscionable amounts of money and the stock going up because all they do is cha- charge people for quotes. Uh, well, that's not all they do, but they that's where they make a lot of their money. Other than those guys being fat and happy, and I don't even like half of them. Uh, other than that, John, what what is going on down here? I mean, I, I one of my guys sent me a thing yesterday as we sent it out, sent me a thing, a message saying that they... Uh, they up up the mortgage or something. I also read that it's eighty two percent occupied. No friggin' way. I walk through there. It's a it's a dead zone. There's no way that thing's eighty two percent. It might be leased, but sure as hell not rented that's or not occupied. It. That's the problem with it. I mean, most landlords today would give their left arm to have an eighty two percent. There is no way. No way that thing's eighty percent. And these are leases that are not performing or not fully performing. Um, CME Group has what 148,000 square feet in it, and they've got a, a lease that's up in, not up until 2027. Um, so they're a, a big tenant, but um, the rest of it, you know, it, it, this implies that there's some kind of you know body of tenants out there looking for the chance to live at 141 West Jackson, um, and they're going to move in and you know pay rent and. I just don't see that there's enough tenants anywhere in the city. The only way you can do it is downtown to live where there's no schools and no shopping and no p- place to park or anything else. <laughs> well, there's no there's no way that unless you have people back on the trading floor, which I think you could easily do, by the way, and actually incre- increase the quality of markets and stuff. Wouldn't be like the old days with runners and stuff, but you could easily do if you brought back 500 to 1,000 people. All of a sudden, the building would be alive. Or oh, sure. much more and, alive than it is now. Even to to lure, you know, things like Bank of America to get some kind of a, of an office presence back on LaSalle Street. They don't have to. They've already built their headquarters in the West Loop now. But you've got to have some way of incentivizing getting businesses back downtown because that's that's how the whole thing was conceived, and it, it's not going to be a good fit to turn it into a residential strip. I. I First of all, it's going to be extremely expensive to refit office space into dwelling space. And it isn't like this is going to be cheap dwelling space. No. Because it's all no. going to have electric heat for people, and, and they're not going to have any place where they can go to shop very easily. And they won't have much to do during the day, it seems like. Where are they going to work? Well, my uh, my stepfather, who was a very brilliant man in a lot of ways, he, he always had offices. Not always. I mean, his place was... Uh, Actually, when he was with Simonize Corp, they were at 22nd in uh, Michigan, is where their headquarters were. And uh, remember, remember that real old back, old back in the day? Remember Bats Restaurant? Bats? Oh, yeah. Are, that's, that's where they would go to lunch every day. What was that, 22nd at Dearborn or someplace? Uh, anyway, talk about ancient Chicago history. but the old, old levy district. But, he, you know, he would say that having a place downtown, because it's one of the few places in the country, New York maybe, where you could get exceptional uh, clerical help, because in those days the you know the, the bus was fifty cents or whatever, it cost them a, th- a dollar to commute. They don't need two cars. You know this is back when your clerical help was mostly ladies. Uh, the husband's got the car. He goes off somewhere. He's an electrician or whatever he's doing. 
She can have to yell or have to bus, be down here safe for a dollar, have a nice lunch downtown and go home. He goes, you get the most incredible people to work here for way less than you would normally have to pay them. And, that's, and that is where, and everybody's happy because their cost of, of commute and everything else is next to nothing. Well, now, it's, that's considered a disadvantage. You don't want, nobody essentially wants clerical help. Nobody, the clerical help that you get, don't want to ride the, the, the subway. And, oh, by the way, that's now considered a detriment because all the wrong people can get here cheap. I mean, somehow that bus has to get turned around, John, because the fact is, you know, I, I uh, said I had an appointment on Michigan Avenue the other day, and I didn't drive in from Hammond and have to pay, you know, six fifty wherever it is across the bridge both ways. But I think a day day in the North North Grant Park garage is, what, 40 bucks. So put the bridge on top of that, say 50, 55 hours a day, that's a lot. I can see why somebody wants to work from home. Now, if you can, you walk down the block at my place, hop on the Armitage L, and you're here in, in 15 minutes, and it costs you even now, it's what, 250 It's still not horrible. Uh, you know, it's not a buck like it used to be, or 50 cents. You know, the last time the CTA made money, the fares were, were a quarter, and they were making money. It was in the 70s, when we, you and I were out of high school. And we actually almost I out of college. I because the other day, the CTA you know, ridership is only 55% of what it was pre-pandemic. And even worse, Metro's ridership is 44%. And that's even more disturbing in a way, because that shows that the people are gravitating away from the city, period. Well, I would it's say that the, the south side, the Rock Island, which is, well, the south, whatever it is now, I'm going to say that uh, some real high percentage of the people coming from the south side worked on the exchanges and the clearing firms and all kind of things. I'm going to say we've lost... 5,000 riders just because of the, the demise of the uh, financial system here. Maybe four, maybe three, but it was a boatload. I mean, the, the early train was all people working on the, trade, on the trading floors. So, John, what do you make of, we're up, we're up 15 now in the, in the S&P, we're up 40 in the NASDAQ, they're being down almost 100 in the NASDAQ. What do you make of these CPI numbers? I mean, I, it shows, like we've, we've talked, that the inflation is slowing. It doesn't show that any of the uh, levels are coming down, except used car prices. But, you know, you do the math. I mean, I just said it earlier. You do the math. When, when gas goes to five-something a gallon and goes back down, when 91%, 91 cents of it is now taxes, really, a, a, you know, two-thirds of it can't move, or a third of it can't right. move, right? right? That's, that's there. People have, have become insulated against any kind of changes where it's going to ever get low again. And pe- people eventually become so numb, um, they, they, what can they do about it? There's, there's no elasticity anymore in any of this stuff. This is what it's going to be. And however, you know, gouging that may look, it's still the way it is. People cannot, like, adjust it anyway. There's no bargaining power the consumer has here. What are you going to tell people's gas or Commonwealth Edison when you get your bill? You know, well, our Bob is two forty six. It's actually going up, so gas prices are probably going to go up even more. Uh, but I mean, in the city here, it's what still four fifty or whatever, right? I mean, it's and for it's gas for yeah, almost, almost five. So we're talking about a, a two dollar, two to two fifty premium in the city, and in the suburbs, it's about a buck. All right, so that number I think used to be seventy cents, you know, but now it's not. I mean, state of Illinois forty two cents a gallon, and every street's got a pothole. I mean, what, what are they, the, the, the inefficiency, the, the lack of, and yet the same people keep getting elected. 
And I couldn't believe the other day, you guys on the Republican side, uh, this assault weapons ban, when you're supposed to have clips, I mean, when I, when I took my uh, concealed carry thing, I think in Chicago the rule is, you know, I should, if I had my notes, John, uh, I think the rule is you, the clip can only have 8 or 10. In Illinois, it can be 16 or 20. It's like double. But in Chicago, it can only be like 8. Now, I'm sure that's not enforced anywhere. And now, the Illinois evidently wants to drop the amount of... This is in a, this is in a regular automatic uh, handgun. That they want to drop it down to like the city number or whatever. And these people are outraged. Like, I, I need 16 shots. For what? I mean, I, I mean, I understand the part about the camel's nose getting under the tent. And it's just, oh, it'll be one thing after another. Uh, but really, one guy was in it. He was outraged on CNBC, not CNBC, on WBBM. He needs an assault rifle for 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 burglars. Really? I mean, uh, got are you blind? I mean, well, what? That, that will become an easy idea to sell, unfortunately. And you and I might not see that as a wise thing. But when people feel completely under assault. Yeah, well, I, I yes, get they it. They do, and they don't have any 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 confidence in police to back them up. It's perfectly understandable why they don't want any restrictions on this stuff. I I, I, I get it. I mean, I'm not a, a big proponent of, of everybody being fully armed, but I can certainly not argue against why people feel more vulnerable than ever without the biggest armament possible. So it's it's a it's a bad situation, but I I just don't see constitutionally or you know, theoretically, why anybody's going to give any of this up. No, no matter what the state does, it's not going to make one person safer, I can guarantee it. And it, it isn't about curtailing crime. It isn't even about, you know, giving the possibility of curtailing crime. We've got people who can get around this, whatever. You know, the, the average person feels this is the last stand I've got. And like it or not, I think they're entitled to feel it. Well, I, I, absolutely. I mean, there's... John, all you do is watch the old the old gun smoke episodes, and if you if you told Matt Dillon that somebody was messing with your store, he'd say you don't take care of it, I'll take care of it. But then he did. There's a big difference, and, and then he did. <laughs> but right. now no, nobody would nobody would feel this this need to be armed to the teeth if they saw that there was a police force that was capable of keeping this kind of danger away from you, so you didn't have to deal with it. You could worry about other stuff. Now it's it's really all anybody worries about, I think, and with, with, with much justification. Oh, that, without a doubt. I mean, if, if you can't... I remember I remember telling... Uh, my boy, it's the same thing, though, John. We were playing some basketball game in Mount Greenwood, and his referee was a total moron. And the guy was on the other team. Was He was a serious hack, to the point where I was a little worried about getting injured. And after some prodigious foul, I said to the ref on a time break, I said, you know what? Your job here is to protect everybody by calling fouls. If you're not going to do it, one more slug, I'm going to protect myself. The guy's going to be wearing, I'm going to dot his eye. And the guy like wanted to throw me out. I, mean, I said, well, if you're not going to do it, somebody's got to, I mean, right? That's what the market does, Tom. Yeah, that's what the market does. I mean, one more shot like that, and I'm punching him. Either either you call a foul or you, you make the call. I mean, that's what the referees do. And uh, whatever. And, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm no violent dude, but hell, I'm not going to get my, my head kicked in all you night either. You punching bag for anybody. Yeah, so... Anyway, we got the numbers. We're up 26, up 71 on the NASDAQ. We'll see if this hangs in there. The market seems to think we like this year. You know, I like that. I mean, the fact is I'd like to see us move up a little bit. I think the idea that we're going back to 1% rates and we're going to the moon, I think that's a bad one. But I don't know something we don't, Tom. Maybe, I don't know maybe they do. Who knows? Well, I mean, the people with money and with the people in charge of the Fed have a lot of power, John, and it's the one 
The 1% of the 1% that's going to run the place, not you and me, unfortunately. But let's let that be our theme this year. Let's talk about some good stuff. And maybe if somebody, why don't we buy the Board of Trade building? Why don't you open up the Flanagan Pity, Piggy Bank? Let's buy the place. I wouldn't mind having an apartment in that building and look down LaSalle Street if somebody has anything to look at by the time I move in there. <laughs> well, that's a problem. S&P Futures up 21, NASDAQ is up 63. Back tomorrow, Stocks and Jacks. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.